0: I feel like I picked two really sad spring movies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think for, well, I mean, it's a sad spring, so, you know. Yeah, was it? I don't know. Well, it's not really spring yet. Where I mean, it feels like spring, but it's like raining all the time. Actually, it
0: was really warm this weekend.
1: I got a sunburn. Mm -hmm we you, you got a sunburn oh my god i was
0: i was facing the i was facing the sun outside of a patio at this place called von bismarck
1: place called von bismarck that sounds like a fucking it sounds like a place
0: on 90210 it's a german restaurant that just serves sausages and beer it's fantastic
1: well you know i like one of those things beer yeah
0: uh, they also do other stuff that isn't sausage, but, like, it's just such good food.
1: You know it sounds, sounds, sounds pretty good. Sounds like a fun time.
0: It is, yeah. We got to exchange girlfriends yesterday in terms of meeting-wise. I met Matt Frauenfeld's girlfriend. He met my Brianna. And, yeah. Also had to go do taxes with the ex. Oh. That sounds fun. <laughs> You just want to sit there and you just, I don't even know how to put it. Like, nothing even happened, but it was just like, fuck, I don't want to be around you. Like, it's so amazing. I've never felt this feeling before of not wanting to be around somebody.
1: I mean, I've had that, you know,
0: with people in my life.
1: And I'm like, I don't want to be around this person anymore.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah. Usually I try and stop, but sometimes you can't. Sometimes they're a loved one. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say loved one. I would say family member.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Well, I soon won't have to be around it. Speaking of taxes, I shout out to the Criterion
1: Sale. Shout out to my tax return coming on the day of the Criterion Sale. So it's
0: big. Ups. That's nice.
1: It's like the IRS knew.
0: They're like, yeah, let's give it to him. God, I wish I would have known about that. I would have bought bamboozled and do the right thing in two seconds.
1: I, to- I like texted you. I know it. you did. Okay. I know you did. I didn't.
0: I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't see it.
1: I usually text you when there's a sale. Uh, computer update, uh, still 100% complete.
0: Still working on updates. So it's fine. We're gonna go. We're <laughs> gonna go. In, we're gonna go into the music. From the... Guys, if it sounds Looking little, good. if it sounds a little sketchy on Tyler's end, it's because he had headphones. Don't forget when we did Double Indemnity and in Scarlet Street, two very important movies to Tyler. I had a crappy sounding sound. So on this one, where what are we watching? Nah, neither of these movies are elite crazy terribly important. You know what? Just let us have it. It's an off week. Well, I mean, you're gonna hear me talking a lot about baseball
1: stuff, so I apologize in advance.
0: Oh yeah. We were we read your text message yesterday, which said <laughs> Moneyball's a really good movie, but all I'm gonna be talking about is OBP, O-P- O-P-S. OPS. And I was sitting there oh so it wasn't OB it wasn't OB OBP. No, it was o-
1: it was OP, o, OB, OPS and OPS Plus.
0: I'm just trying. Um...
1: My phone might have auto corrected it, but I meant OPS.
0: Let me see. I'm just trying to figure yeah, it out.
1: Yeah, I said OPS and OPS Oh, plus. you did
0: say OPS? Okay. What is OPS?
1: So OPS is on base percentage plus slugging. So it's a way to measure baseball oh. players. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Again, and I thought it's the thing I thought it was, but we were like, I, I thought it was OBP, which was on base percentage is what I thought it was. But she was like, we were sitting there last night. and I was like, OBP, what the fuck is OBP? And she's like, she goes, I don't know. She's like only baseball problems. And I was like, you know what? I guarantee you that's what it is. And she's like, and she goes, really? And I go, no, it's probably something to do with statistics, but I love your answer much more than that. So, but I was like, I was like, yeah, only baseball problems. That's what that movie does have.
2: When the final reel is spun And the credits have been run You can count on the wisdom Of these two white guys talking film Just
0: two white guys talking film. Welcome everybody to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the springtime in Versailles to the spring training that happens in Oakland. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. I'm Tyler. Uh, if you guys, like we said, if it sounds a little weird, it's because Tyler's working with a, with a coach today, so just, just be patient. Let him, let him do his thing. What did you think of the art I sent you? Oh, yeah, thanks. It was great. Yeah, I laughed. I laughed out loud. <laughs> Silence is deafening.
1: I was do. I was signing into Skype while you sent it, so I was like, okay. Yeah, it's Honestly,
0: very I kind of want to put that picture in my bathroom, <laughs> <laughs>
1: facing the toilet. Obviously.
0: Yeah, like you have to stare at him.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, eye level. Oh yeah. Well, I'd have to remove the shower rod. <laughs> <laughs> or I just put it between the two towels. <laughs> just the yeah, eyes. No, it's, yeah, yeah. Just the eyes. Just the eyes. They're like, they're like, it feels like someone's watching me. I'm like, oh, they are. Just the uh, presence of Jimmy Hoffa.
1: Just yeah. the whiff, whiff of Jimmy Hoffa.
0: Yes, guys. It's another Irishman joke. Fucking deal with it. That movie's incredible. That movie giving to me. The Irishman here. This
1: is an Irishman free podcast. An Irishman full podcast.
0: You know, honestly, I thought we were transitioning into a sports podcast this week. And I was talking to him about it, and then Mark was like, What have you done sports wise? I was like, We've done basketball, we've done baseball now, and like, I feel like we've done other stuff, haven't we? We've never done a football movie, I don't think. I don't think we have either. So maybe we do that for the first like week yeah. of football. Yeah, we
1: could also do a bend it like Beckham. Uh, and oh, we could do I'm soccer. Sure there's another soccer
0: movie, oh, Shaolin Soccer.
1: Oh, yeah, actually, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was my pick. Was bend it like Beckham and Shaolin Soccer. Let's see. Shaolin
1: Soccer uh, underrated.
0: It's, a fun it's everyone knows Kung Fu Hustle, but the people who get who are in the know know Shaolin Soccer. I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's another like Japanese I mean, soccer movie where they have like bombs on the field and stuff like that. That's pretty wild.
0: Fun. I mean, I'll say it like Mighty Ducks paired with I don't know slap shot. We could do that. Like do another Miracle on Ice, baby. You want to just do Miracle? <laughs> oh God, no. Miracle's a so fun movie. Oh fuck you, Miracle's fun. <laughs> it was Miracle's okay. guys Dude, uh, Kurt I, Russell's good in that movie.
1: It's one of the five movies they play on ESPN. So,
0: let's see what else. So, soccer, hockey, football. We've I never kind of done of
1: any cricket movies. None of my. We've way. never done, done a boxing.
0: A movie. We've never done a boxing movie.
1: Motherfucker! Yeah, we have.
0: Oh yeah, we did. That's right, we did Fat City.
1: Well, is we it- did two. We did Fat City and another one. See the other boxing
0: movie we've done? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, um, The Night Of. Well, The Setup. The Setup, yeah. The Setup oh. of The Night Of. Sure. That's right, we have done boxing. Okay, so... Football, hockey... I'm just... I'm writing these down, because... Oh, also, well, we did Raging Bull. We talked about hockey. Raging Bull for a little bit, right? I don't think it made the list. It didn't make the list, did it? Raging Bull's still on the table. Football, hockey, and what's the other one?
1: Major sports. So oh, soccer, soccer we boxing. said.
0: We've never done Uh, wrestling. No, we haven't. Mainly because
1: the what is what is there? Like, I mean, there's wrestling with shadows. There's documentaries that are good.
0: Oh, there's there's Beyond the Ring, and there's also the Wrestler. You could easily do Beyond the Ring and the Wrestler together. That'd be a beautiful pairing. Mm -hmm. That's four.
1: My first thought was Ready to Rumble, and I was like, no
0: no we could do that it's movie we'll just bag on it for two hours it's like nothing <laughs> but before we get to this sports movie which will check off baseball for us we have to talk about the most captivating thing we saw this week
1: i am remembering a bet that i was not oh no
0: did you forget to watch oh. it oh i totally forgot to watch well it. then you sir as people won't hear because i cut it out are on the hook next week for watching the monster squad because this week tyler challenged me off mic and said you need to watch fucking johnny mnemonic and we have a new segment that we're gonna do when this when challenges like this are thrown down and it's called go ahead and take a walk or so too bad she won't live but then again
1: who does (laughs)
0: yes so the game the name of this game is tyler told me you need to watch johnny mnemonic and i'm like okay fine i said but i reserve the right to tell people that if this sucks i'm going to shoot it in the head so the way it works guys is when a challenge like this is thrown down because someone is uber passionate about someone watching something you tell them okay but i reserve the right to have the words which are if the movie's good you go you know go ahead and take a walk you you get to walk away from this or i get to utter the line and what is it tyler it's
1: too bad Johnny Depp won't live, but then again, who does?
0: I'm going to start off with this, and next week Tyler is tasked because I'm going to say it, you like you will like the Monster Squad, so you need to watch the Monster Squad.
1: Okay, all right, I'll try. I'll try and fit it in.
0: It's an hour and twelve minutes. You I am a busy person, especially this week. Ten minutes a night, over six nights, plus another ten minutes is doable.
1: Okay, I guess I'll read it the same way I got through uh, all of the books I've been reading. <laughs>
0: Exactly. How do you eat a shit sandwich? One bite at a time. (laughs) But I saw Johnny Mnemonic and, you know, you you made a little proclamation last week and said, well, if you watch Johnny Mnemonic, it's no it's in no way not going to be the most captivating thing you saw this week. And in a sense, you're right, because the whole movie up until a point, I was like, motherfucker said Ice Cube was in this movie. And I'm like, where the fuck? And I'm like, oh, he means iced tea, and because like, because it just hits me at one point. I'm like, oh, he, he means iced tea. And I was like, where the fuck is he? Because I didn't recognize iced tea for a good chunk of the movie too. And then at one point, he's like, we got to get it back to the people, man. And I was like, oh shit, that's iced tea. He meant iced tea. This all makes more sense now.
1: Yes. remember going back to our talking about the boys in the hood when I got uh, Ice Cube <laughs> confused with Ice-T again because my brain just just correct. Like they're, they're different I don't know I, they're the same sorry I meant Ice-T Ice-T is in it
0: okay let's go through Johnny Mnemonic just very briefly here's its first minus as I think about putting the bullet in the gun it's set in the year 2021 <laughs> no it's not <laughs> no it's fucking <laughs> not no it's not information of what is a staggering amount of eighty gigabytes is transferred?
1: <laughs> one hundred and
0: forty gigabytes. You get it right. That's that's he can transfer eighty in his head though. I'm just saying that's not a yes, lot. Even one hundred and forty is... is not a lot. That's a little silly. It was a lot at
1: the time when the movie was written. Though. Yes,
0: I, I'm aware of that. Keanu Reeves is dynamite in this movie, despite having absolutely zero direction of what he wants his character to be. <laughs> <laughs> this has an all-time, guys, and I say this all-time, just going for it freak out with Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's up there. It is a downright strange supporting cast.
1: It is a supporting cast that is all over the shop. But
0: they all actually kind of work. Some do and some don't. Oh, no, Udo Kier is killing every second of Oh,
1: that. no, Udo Kier is... Making it work. There's one specifically where I'm like, mm, questionable choice here, and that's Henry Rollins, but I think he kind of works.
0: He's doing the hardest job you have to do in a movie like this. He's playing Captain Exposition.
1: Yeah, which is interesting. Dolph Lundgren has uh, 15 <sighs> minutes where you're just
0: like, wow, what? <laughs> He's the only other person billed on the poster. <laughs> yeah. It Bill's three people. <laughs>
1: It's Keanu Reeves, Takeshi Kitano, who oh I think most God. people in America are like, whom?
0: <laughs> That's right. Takeshi Kitano shows up in this movie at one point And I was just like, you know, in another world, he would play Minoru Suzuki in like a, in a biography of his life because he's just nail like he just nails that intensity. You're just like, holy shit. Takeshi Kitano's, in this, And he's better than every part of this movie.
1: He's the best thing in this movie and also mm. showed up, refused to
0: speak English. <laughs> oh, so he was brand is what you're saying. It's just like, no, nah, I'm not going to learn English for this part. Kateshi Kitano, to get into shape, he'd have a big sword fight at the end. He's like, um, I'm going to eat fried chicken. And they're like, God damn it. He's brand doing. <laughs> put, me, put me in a suit. I'm not going to speak English either. I'm not doing it.
1: My favorite thing about every Kiteshi Kitano movie where he is playing a person in America is like he just refuses to speak English. He'll just say Japanese things and people around him will understand it. <laughs> so like in this movie, there's an American actor uh, named Dennis Ekayama, who also speaks Japanese who Takeshi Kitano will say something in Japanese and Dennis will respond in English.
0: He says your Japanese is atrocious. That's it,
1: yeah. It's a very weird way to have a conversation. (laughs) But actually, though,
0: it works in the moment. Oh, it totally
1: works. It's just like, like, I was just thinking about it afterwards. I'm like, that's a very strange way to have a conversation. It's to have one person talking in one language and the other person responding in a completely different language.
0: It's great. I love it. So I I guess that does come to the question of, Does this get to take a walk or is this an unfortunate, unfortunate accident of you introducing me to this film? You know, the more we've talked about it, the more I think about kind of just the silliness of it. Like, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it can take a walk.
1: Nice, nice. Not going to empty all eight gigabytes of his brain today.
0: It's so stupid. Like, like, it's also weirdly like kind of progressive with like the two bodyguards of Udo Kier. Mm-hmm. What? They're never played for laughs or anything. Also, the girl no. from Starship Troopers shows up in it. That was yep. my other thing. Dynamir, right? Yeah, Diz. Oh, no. oh, Diz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. What did you watch?
1: So I watched a movie, and we don't have to dwell on this called Muriel or The Time of the Return, which, as you can tell, is a art film just based off its title. It's a movie about people dealing with grief and the passing of time. Each in their own way, by one who's like surrounded herself with all of these old things. She sells, she lives in an antique house. She has antiques around her at all times. So she's kind of like living in the past. And then you have her stepson who is documenting the present, but like refuses to think about the future or the past. And then you have the woman, his stepmom's former lover who has come to stay with them, who is running from his current situation and always thinking about the future. And so it's a very interesting little triptych of a film with some very neat editing. Made by the same guy, Alan Renias, horribly atrocious butchering of his name, I'm so sorry. Who made another movie that ended up in my most captivating things, which was Jatemi Jatemi, which was like a really interesting film that feels like a cut up narrative. He was originally an editor Uh, during the French New Wave, like during the start of it, who turned towards filmmaking. He's probably most known for that very uplifting and fun movie, Night and Fog, which is about Auschwitz and all sorts of other horrible atrocities committed by the Germans during World War II. And this is a little bit lighter than that movie, I would say. This movie has some jokes, which is fun. That's new. And it's really good. It's another... If you've seen a movie from him, you under- you'll you know when I say that the editing is top notch. He is one of the, probably the greatest editors turned filmmakers of all time. So he, you know, shoots his films to be edited pretty meticulously. And there are a couple of sequences where you're just like, wow, that's that good shit. So, yeah, Muriel or The Time of the Return, I would say it's probably not as good as last year in Marry and Bad, but it's better than Hiroshima and Monomore, in my opinion. So, you know, if you've heard of those two movies and you like them then you haven't seen Muriel, you check it out.
0: Oh, man, it smelled like it was going to be a Bergman movie, the start of it. No. I was, I was like, this no. smells like a Bergman movie.
1: No, I'm still making my way through Bergman. Got Persona coming up. That's going to be soon. And then after That's that, fun. Persona's good. Awesome autumn Sonata.
0: <clears throat> Is that about like the later years of the Wrestler Sonata?
1: No, it's about uh, well, a. I've lost mother, interest. mother, daughter, a the pianist. Uh, they hate each other.
0: I believe I said I lost interest. If it doesn't have to do with Cold Skull, I'm not interested.
1: Well, it has to do with Ingrid Bergman. So. The actress? Yeah.
0: The one who got the Oscar for that fucking three minutes of Murder on the Orient Express. Look, it
1: wasn't for the three minutes on Orient Express. It's the fact that she was Ingrid Bergman.
0: Okay. I mean, I would have rather seen my own mother super kicked by the Young Bucks than fucking put up with, with that, that Oscar. There was definitely better, someone better that year. There had to have been.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Gina Roland was also up for something that year. But, you know, what, 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 what can we do?
0: Justice. Go back in time. Stop it. Nah, there's, less secu- there's, less there's less security. There's less like security back there. Different. Ingrid Bergman definitely has an Oscar before that, right? I don't think so. Oh, well, then maybe then maybe we got to let that one go. Well, then we got to get Gina Rollins in there somewhere. I guess we should move on to spring movies. It's so nice in this section. Smells good. Smells like
1: Jolly Prim Roses.
0: Yes, it does. And the first movie is the third film from Sofia Coppola that came out in 2006. The very unique telling of The Last Queen of France. Kirsten Dunst absolutely stuns in the titular role and gives both a showy and measured performance that has aged beautifully over the course of her career and the last decade and a half. Sofia Coppola's eye for detail and storytelling is nothing short of stellar. This is, of course, the 2006 film starring Jason Schwartzman, Rip Torn, Tom Hardy, Rose Byrne, Steve Coogan, and of course, as previously mentioned in the titular role, Kirsten Dunst. This is 2006, Marie Antoinette.
3: Madam, at the morning dressing ceremony, rights of entry are given to members of the High Court, major rights to princesses of the blood and mistresses of the household, while minor rights to the valets and charges. Vite, vite, madam. Anyone with rights of entry may enter at any time, so you must pay attention to acknowledging properly each arrival. And you must not reach for anything, for the handing of an item to the Dauphine is a guarded privilege. You must go to the highest rank in the room. For example, the Princess de Lombard is a princess of the blood by marriage. Madame? Good morning! Oh, so now the position must go to the Duchess of Sha. because she is also a princess of the blood. Hello! Oh, so now, as a member of the royal family, Your sister-in-law, the Comtesse de Provence, must have the honor. ridiculous this madame is versailles
0: i can't remember what the last one was but i spoke earlier in the year of a moment in a movie this year that is the most unintentionally funny moment of the year it is now the moment where at the beginning of this movie where they wake her ass up walk her ass or have her ass ride somewhere for a handoff and then they proceed to take everything from her, including her dog. And the look on her face is not funny. But fuck me if it's not the funniest moment in that movie.
1: It is weirdly funny. Although I'm heartbroken for the dog. I'm like, oh, man, I forgot the dog. I forgot mops. <laughs> not Mops. Not mops. Because it's a cute little pug. And as you know, I love pugs.
0: And <laughs> Your buddy's there right now.
1: Yeah, he's in the other room. He's probably going to bark sooner or later. Piss me off even more. Yeah, he's, like, a little pug. He's a cute little little pug with curly, curly, like, tongue. And it's, like, you can't explain to Mops what's happening. Like, you can't explain to Mops, like, royals and stuff like that. And apparently this is a real thing that happened. That dog's real name in real life was Mops, which is why I keep calling it Mops. And apparently, so it was after the Seven Years' War. I'm going to get this... This is going to be a fun podcast. This is Tyler spouting off facts and statistics. It was a seven it's years fun. war between Austria and France. And, and after the ending, that's when Marie Antoinette was like given to Louis the 14th.
0: Yeah. Louis 14th or 15th. I think it's 14th. Yeah, it is.
1: And it was a way to bring peace between Austria and France
0: she kind of just gets, like, sold for, like, stock, kind of. It's fucked up pretty to much? say. But, like, there's this moment in it where, like, they're just, where, like, she, she's just, like, brought to France and they're like, okay, they don't say it like this, but she's like, you know what, get your legs up in them stirrups, girl, because your job is to give us a baby, pretty much.
1: Pretty much. I think is interesting about the movie is it's a retelling of Marie Antoinette, which, her life, which is pretty well known, but, like, misremembered or toll in a way that is not entirely conducive to what happened, but it's reframing her life from her point of view, which I think is kind of an interesting thought experiment because we all know the story of Marie Antoinette, or at least we think we do. And it's not like that, (laughs) you know, it like kind of didn't really happen like that. And so I think this is an interesting tear down the shackles from your eyes type moment. I'm pretty sure that's not the saying I'm trying to think of, but, you know. Remove the
0: curtains from your eyes. There we
1: go. That's it. Shackles, Jesus.
0: Well, you know, shackles of prejudice. I mean, I'll say this, dude, what they don't tell you, and I'm I'm shocked that this isn't something we don't know about more. This is the motherfucking king who was like, no, we're going to keep helping the Americans. Yeah. Yeah, like, this is the dude who, like, when you see that French guy in the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson, and, like, you're like, I wonder why that French guy's here. You go to this movie, and you're like, holy shit, it was that king who sent that French guy there to help them.
1: I wonder why every city has a Lafayette Street.
0: Hmm. Exactly. Interesting. (laughs) There's probably no reason for this. I mean, history's gonna remember him kindly, it feels like.
1: It feels like. Lafayette is very, very well remembered.
0: I feel like the first half of this movie is no kids. Second half of this movie is kids.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's pretty much what her life was for the first, I think, three years of her marriage. Her and Louis the Fourteenth did not have sex. And we don't know exactly why. Theorize that the reason is... Either Louis did not understand what sex was like at all or more risk re- that realistically had a defect with his foreskin that caused it to be in great pain when he was aroused. So um, it was probably the second one. <laughs> they believe that there was a secret adult circumcision. And after that, he was able to conceive four children, I believe. Movie only yeah. talks about three, and one of them dies early on in childhood. movie depicts that, which, which uh, the way it actually was happened through painting, which is uh, basically like painting over the child. Oh, no, that's right. It's
0: heartbreaking. That's <laughs> right. That is what that is. Because I was looking, I was like, the "Fuck is that?" And I backed it up. I'm like, "Oh, once again." Uh, and it, it it doesn't steal the taking of mop sequence, which is so funny. Still, I'm sorry, it's very funny the almost second funniest moment is where she is like sitting there like face to face with um the first baby and she goes you were not what was intended <laughs> like <laughs> just being like i'm going to give you a complex the rest of your life
1: well it's a short life that's <laughs> that's the that's the one that's the silver lining
0: <laughs> no that one lives doesn't it
1: mm-hmm. not for long I mean, yes, that one lives, but when the revolution happens, it does. No. The, the, they might have let the, the, the female child live. I don't remember. I know they kill one of the children. For sure. Which is a horrible thing I just said.
0: It is. But you know what? It had to be said.
1: Yeah, it's it's real life. It's what happened.
0: So... I want to ask you, because you you seem to be more into this movie than I was, because I, I had not seen this since I finished it in theaters in 2006. I was like, nah, it didn't do much for me. And then just kind of walked out. I was a different person then. Sue me. If this got booed at can.
1: French people have a complex when it comes to Marie Antoinette.
0: I think this is
1: a movie that it's not attempting to rewrite history. It's just attempting to like show you a different side of it. It's not necessarily saying Marie Antoinette was a good person or that she didn't necessarily deserve what happened to her. I'm of the opinion that like, I don't really want people to be, you know, executed, (laughs) but like also violent upheaval is needed for progress. So I'm like kind of of two minds about it. And this movie, it ends when it ends. It doesn't show you the violent resolution, which I think is, is, when telling a narrative like this, something that people come to expect, which is you see this opulence, you see her living in these like balls and these gowns and spending all this money and stuff like that. And you expect to see the violent end to her life. And the movie doesn't give you that. Because it doesn't want to show that. It wants to kind of have you understand that life may not have been very easy for Marie internet and that it wasn't fun all the time and that in history there aren't clear-cut heroes and villains. Like, you know, like a good person can do bad things and a bad person can do good things. I think it's an interesting look at it and also... I think in 2006, this was a movie that was considered very feminine and not in a good way. And I think as like a pejorative, assaulting way. And I think time has been very kind to this movie when I remember at the time people were just like, no, like we've had enough of costume dramas. We've had enough of like this movie that kind of tries to rewrite history, which is like not necessarily true. I think it's an interesting version of this type of movie by putting in, like, modern music and, you know, showing that, like, Marie Antoinette was, like, a teenager. So she was, like, a teenage girl when she was married.
0: And she it, was fucking 14 when she, she was
1: married. She was 14. And she wasn't ever trained to be a princess or a queen. Like, she didn't know what she was getting into. And so, I don't know. I think it's an interesting... Look at someone who history has written off as, like, a, one of history's greatest villains.
0: Which she's not. She's this person who was put into a situation and was like, I don't know what I'm fucking doing. This should never have gotten booed at Cannes. What a bad look for them. I mean, a lot of good movies get booed at Cannes. Is that true?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you just look at, like, movies that, like, you just type in, like, movies that were booed at Cannes, there's probably,
0: like, at least a handful that I'll go to bat for. What is your favorite part of this movie? Because it's a hard movie to talk about because nothing really happens. It's just kind of watching her life over the course of a certain amount of time and just like kind of seeing it eventually just all kind of crumble.
1: Yeah, there's two scenes I really like. It makes sense when I say them, but it's when she goes to the theater and she starts clapping, and people are like, well, that's stupid. And then everyone starts clapping because it's kind of like a fun thing to do at a theater. She's that person at a movie theater. I don't know if you've ever been... If you've gone to a movie theater in, in, when... It's not a premiere or anything. It's just a movie. And then people start clapping
0: and you're just kind of like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, but she's what Marie Antoinette, and she's like, I'm the queen. Everyone should clap. And then, like, Jason and Schwartzman does it like, oh, now we really gotta clap. It's like, oh, the Dolphine's clapping. God damn it. <laughs> God damn Dolphine. And then... Later the, towards
1: the end of the movie, right, right before the uprising, she starts clapping and everyone's like, "Wow, wow, must be nice. must be nice to clap in a movie th- in a theater like this."
0: Uh, it's a great turn.
1: The movie's really good at isolating her and
0: isolating
1: Jason Schwartzman because everybody else in the movie has accents. And only to people that don't have accents and only to people who are kind of like alien to this royal world is her and Schwartzman, and Swartzman is never
0: around. Do you think that's that's got to be on purpose, right?
1: That's a, totally on purpose. It is It is an attempt to make, I think, Kirsten Dunst's Marie Antoinette more relatable and also show how alien she is to the court.
0: It's an interesting point. I've never taken away with that, that that's what she's going for. See, she's a lot smarter than people give her credit for.
1: Yeah, no, Sophie Copes is a pretty good filmmaker.
0: You know, for me, I mean, if we're going a fun and a serious one, I would say the fun one just has to be like, I mean, when when they first like are dressing her and she's like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good. That's fun. And, you know, I'll I'll, say this uh, for the serious one. I think it's when just the mobs outside and she just comes out. She bows. Yeah. She curtsies. Okay, you know what? This won an Oscar. Yeah, for
1: probably for like costume or something. That's like that.
0: exactly what it won an Oscar for. So let's see. 2006 Oscars, because I would like to know something, because I'll say this right now, speaking solely on not having a clue as to what was in the 2006 Oscars, I think Kirsten Dunst should have been nominated. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's an incredibly measured, but at the same time kind of like really freeform performance. I think
1: it's a performance that now we would be like, oh, what an amazing performance. I just, I don't know. I just think at the time, maybe we were just tired of like all of the costume dramas that we were seeing, or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it wouldn't get a nomination at in 2006 because there's like a bunch after this, there was like atonement and there was like a few more. I'm assuming my brain is, tired and also my internet is being cranky so i can't look up everything but i want to look up or would have ready for us for this goddamn moment because my fine. computers it's fine okay. it's sorry. fine Sorry, you're,
0: you're good sorry. he's at it again <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> but 2007 that's the departed year right
0: yes that is the departed year i believe
1: well yeah. i guess they weren't too tired of costume dramas looking
0: at who won best actress Oh, yeah. No, they real. That's more <laughs> modern, though. That's more modern costume. Yeah, I guess.
1: I guess.
0: Yeah. But hold on. You know what? While we're there, it does win best costume and it overtakes the queen. So, you know, in a way, it beat out the costume drama. Dream Girls, The Devil Wears Prada, Curse of the Golden Flower, and Marie Antoinette would be the winner.
3: Well, it
0: deserves it. Interesting. Oh, it's a kung fu movie with Chow yun fat and the girl from Miami Vice.
1: The girl from Miami Vice is Gong Li. by Gong
0: Li. Thank you. Sorry. Couldn't think of her name.
1: At least I think that's the girl from Miami Vice.
0: But it is directed by Zhang Zimov, which uh, he did The Road Home, which is a fantastic movie. You
1: know what? He's part of the fifth generation of Chinese filmmakers. Yeah, right. You know,
0: you're going to oh, watch it. I've
1: heard of this guy. Yeah. Rise the Red Lantern. Raise the Red Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. Raise the, the Red Lantern.
0: Lantern. Yeah. Dude, wait Yay. till you see the wait till you see the road home. All right, yeah, I gotta watch that. He also did Hero, uh, like the 2006 Jet Li movie, I think. Yeah, Best Actress this year. Kate Winslet would be nominated for Little Children. Meryl Streep would be nominated for The Devil Wears Prada. Judi Dench would be nominated for Notes on a Scandal. Penelope Cruz would be nominated for Volver. And Helen Mirren would win for The Queen as Queen Elizabeth II. I'll say this, I feel very comfortable kicking Judi Dench or Meryl Streep off of this list to put on Kirsten Dunst.
1: I will keep Meryl Streep because I like the Devil Wears Prada and I think her performance is great in that it, movie. It,
0: it's a fine movie. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's a good performance. I'm just saying, at what point is it enough for her? Like she has enough. Let's let other people shine. This is the Undertaker all over again.
1: And I will kick Kate Winslet off for Little Children. You a can movie go. I nope. Nope.
0: Like. Nope. You can go right to hell. Put it right back on the list. It's not going <laughs> off. That movie's incredible. She's incredible in it. There is. Easily one of her best. I would I would say it's one of her top five performances.
1: I will say she has a better performance the next year when she wins for the reader. Which exactly the my point. And yeah, it's exactly. not a good movie, and
0: it's but she wins. Exactly my point. Exactly my point.
1: Paul Greengrass was up for best director for United 93 Whoa two thousand six. You crazy. Uh, that best directors category is a is a wild ride. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Four people who you know aren't going to win And one guy who needs to win Yeah <laughs> They really but put yeah. up
1: some fucking tomato cans against Marty <laughs> Sorry, yes
0: But yeah, I mean, I think she could have been nominated Plus it would have been great little synchronicity Between her and Helen Mirren It would
1: have I don't think she would have won Because I just don't think no. For whatever reason, Hollywood likes Kirsten Dunst uh, that, As much as I do anyway um, Yeah, enjoy her between this and Melancholia, I, that's two Oscars she should have won.
0: I mean, I'll I'll say, I don't think she should have won for this. I think Helen Mirren is still the logical choice. Well, um, yeah, but... I'll, I'll say this about Miss Dunst. She's going to be just fine. She's married to a soon-to-be superstar. She
1: has kids with a soon-to-be superstar.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, nice. Even more, even more. She's got her hooks in him even deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jesse uh, Clemens is going to blow up. I have a feeling this movie that him and Scorsese are going to do is going to be insane.
1: Yeah, I also, I've read the book. It's a good book. There's a great tweet from uh, Demia DiGiovibe who said, When do we stop calling Jesse Plemons Matt Me- Damon and start calling Matt Damon Messy Plemons?
0: <laughs> Messy Plemons. Yes. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say it. Now we start doing it now on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. we go. That's Jesse Plemons, and that's messy. That's messy.
1: One was in The Martian, and the other one wasn't. So I'm going to rest my case with that. Uh, You go
0: to hell. The Martian is a fun time. I won't hear a word about. I won't hear a word (laughs) about it. But until the Ridley Scott debate,
1: (laughs) it's 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 one of the few Ridley Scott movies I like. I don't know why.
0: (laughs) 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 There's a moment coming up in the next movie that has this exact same conversation coming. (laughs) You're not wrong. Tyler, what would you pair this with?
1: I'm going to dig into our back catalog of movies that we've done and have a very weird time and pair this with The Ruling Class. Ooh. Yeah, I think The Ruling Class is a very interesting movie. It's definitely a different type of movie than this movie, and it's also uh, fiction, whereas this movie is like kind of like a historical storytelling. But I just think the costumes in both are so fun.
0: You're not wrong. I would pair this, if I didn't have to do it with spring movies, I would pair this with Barry Lyndon.
1: Ooh, that's a good,
0: that's a good choice. Yeah, both of them are. Ruling Class is fantastic. Uh, that would look so good next to this. And yes. they're both kind of told, your two are kind of both told from a madcap perspective in some senses.
1: Yeah, they both kind of turn into horror movies at the end.
0: Yeah, they really, really do. I, I remember when Danny Houston if- co- shows up and to give him like tips on how to fuck his sister. Like That's the <laughs> thing that happens in that movie.
1: That's the thing that happened apparently
0: in real life. Oh, yeah, that too. Well, and The movie
1: you could pair it with is another Sofia Coppola movie, The
0: Beguiled. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's a good movie. That's what I've heard. Well, what do you give this?
1: I give this movie a
0: solid four stars. That's awesome. That's exactly what I give it. Nice. Well, let's move on to our next one, and we'll step out onto the field, and we're going to talk about a movie about the love of baseball, from those who can only manage and no longer play the great game. Brad Pitt gives a top five leading man performance as the one and only Billy Bean. It also boasts the most understated and smartly casted character acting ensemble in some time. This is, of course, the 2016 film from Bennett Miller and starring Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jonah Hill, and Brad Pitt. This is, of course, the 2016 film Moneyball.
2: I like guys like that. They've got guy a little hair on their ass. The the he looks like a mantle Barry. or a maze, quite frankly. He's got a baseball body. A Matty, what do you got? I like Geronimo. Yes. He's an athlete. Big, fast, talented. Top of my list. Clean cut, good face. Yeah, good job. Five tools, guy.
4: Good-looking ball. ball player. Can he hit? Hey, he's got a beautiful swing, right, Barry? The ball explodes
2: off his back. He throws the club head at the ball, and when he connects, it he drives it it pops off the bat you can hear it all over the ballpark a lot of pop coming off the bat and it's if he's a good hitter why does not he
4: hit good he is a good minor leaguer he'll be he'll be ready yeah so he's going to be a good hitter when we put him up against big league guys could be a great hitter I don't think so
2: this kid this needs some at-bats you give him 400 at-bats he's going to get better he can play he's, got- he's hit everywhere along the line he's one of our guys Okay, let's move on. Artie, who do you like? I I like Perez. He's uh, got a classic
4: swing. It's real clean stroke. I don't know. Can't hit the curveball. Well, there's some work to be done. I'll admit that. Yeah, there is. uh, He's noticeable.
2: Got an ugly girlfriend. What's that name? Ugly girlfriend means no confidence, okay? That's oh it. no, you guys are full of it, Artie is right. This guy's got an attitude, an attitude is good. I mean, it's the kind of guy walks into a room, his dick has already been there for two minutes. Yeah, he passes the eye candy test, he's got the looks, he's ready to play the part, he
1: just needs to get some playing time.
2: I'm just saying, his girlfriend is a six at best. Look, if we're trying to replace <laughs> the zombie, this guy could be it. All
4: right, there he is. Damn, Billy, was that a suggestion? Guys, you're just talking, talking la, 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 like this is business as usual. It's not. We're trying to solve the problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not, you're not even looking at the problem. We're very aware of the problem, I mean. Okay, good, what's the problem?
2: Look, Billy. We all understand what the problem is. We have to okay, replace... Okay, good. What's the problem? The problem is we have to replace three key players in our nope. lineup.
4: what's the problem? Same as it's ever been. We've got to replace these guys with what we have existed. No, nope. what's the problem, Barry? We need 38 home runs, 120 RBIs, and 47 uh, doubles to replace. The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's an unfair game. And now we've been gutted, organ donors for the rich, Boston's taking our kidneys, Yankees taking our heart, and you guys are sitting around talking the same old good body nonsense, like we're selling jeans, like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. We are the last dog at the bowl. You see what happens to the runt of the litter? He dies.
2: Billy, that's a very touching story and everything, but I think we're all very much aware of what we're facing here. You have a lot of experience and wisdom in this room. Now, you need to have a little bit of faith and let us do the job of replacing Giambi.
4: Is there another first baseman like Giambi? No, not really. No. no and if there was, could we afford him? No, no. Then what the fuck are you talking about, man? If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there.
2: Boy, that sounds like fortune cookie wisdom to me, Billy. No, that's just logic.
4: Who's Fabio? It's a shortstop. is a shortstop short from Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. this is no time to push the panic
2: button. Billy, our scouts are going to find players. Our player development's going to develop them. We're going to teach them how to play Oakland A baseball. Billy, with all due respect, we've been doing this for a long time. Why don't you just let us be responsible for replacing Giambi with who we know that can play?
0: You remember how you said earlier, you said, I like the Martian, I don't know why I just shit on it? Yeah. The funniest moment in this movie is where he goes, How many player analysis did you do? He goes, 47. Fifty-one. I don't know why I lied just then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that moment because Peter Brand is like a real person. Yeah, both of uh, these movies have real people in them. Yeah, I, I like I like that. Both both are fictional accounts of real things that well, not fictional accounts, dramatized accounts of real things that happened. And this movie, because I my mom is an A's fan. I kind of know a lot about this season. I remember it happening. I remember watching it as it happened and like watching the streak. I remember watching that game where they went, they won 20 in a row. I think they go on to win 21. I think I could be wrong. It might've just been 20. There is one thing while watching this movie that I did get very annoyed at. And it's a, just a baseball thing. It just does. It refuses to acknowledge the existence of their three main starters. <laughs> <laughs> which is the reason why they were so good that year who are Barry Zito who won the Cy Young Award Mark Ellis and Tim Houston
0: anyway you know just a little annoyed by that that's fair I can understand that and you know I forgot to mention too this is written by Steve Zalion and Aaron Sorkin two guys who are pretty famous as and it's you know it's funny I didn't even know this one of them wrote the Irishman so you know yeah. Fuck Fuck off if you have anything bad to say about that. Here's the thing I don't like. Why is Robin Wright billed so high?
1: She's in the movie for like five seconds. I don't know. Fuck. I don't... I'm not a biller. You know who
0: should be billed higher? Stephen Bishop. I was literally going to say Stephen Bishop. as yeah, like a da- joke. Yeah, David Justice. <laughs> gonna... So this movie opens up on the last game of the season for the Oakland A's. And it doesn't take place in Oakland, it's in New York, and you are just watching Billy Bean sit in an empty stadium playing turning on a radio and listening to just New York destroy them.
1: They didn't get destroyed. They lost by
0: like a, a couple of runs. But they lost think. again. Like they, like yeah. it's and he knows because they can't afford like he knows why too. Two thousand
1: one is a very important season. It's also an interesting tipping point in baseball because you have, it's, you know, after 9-11, you have all the fucking big things happen in New York. New York goes to the World Series and they lose to the Diamondbacks in one of the best World Series of all time. I was rooting heavily against the Yankees because I fucking hate the Yankees, even if they were playing for the solo New York. Don't care. Go Diamondbacks. I jumped, leapt for joy as a six-year-old. Seven-year-old when Luis Gonzalez hit that single over uh, Derek Jeter's head. Anyway, they lose because the the Yankees can spend millions of dollars every year on guys who maybe aren't worth it, whereas the Oakland Athletics have like a maximum salary of like maybe thirty million dollars, whereas the Yankees can spend almost two hundred million.
0: It's pretty insane, and there is this insanity to how much money difference there is. And I mean, I'll say at the scene we're going to go in is where Brad Pitt just kind of the first time he just realizes it's not fair. I mean, the opening of this movie shows the statistic of like, they've got like $85 million, to play with in buying like players, they have like 150. It's, it's not even close. It's just kind of insane. And the scene we're going to go in with is where Brad Pitt says to him, like he gives the speech about it he goes there are rich teams, there are poor teams, and then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. And that's kind of the genius of the movie. He figures it out because he goes to another place at one point and he wants to trade a guy with somebody and something happens in the room where there's a couple of guys sitting there with the owner of this other team and Billy Bean sees it and like he sees the guy who kind of mentions it and it's Jonah Hill's character. And Jonah Hill's character has figured out a way to kind of like play baseball on a different level.
1: So what Jonah Hill's character, Peter Brand, is doing is he's using math because he's a nerd. And he is essentially looking at stats that are known as sabermetrics. And there's are developed by Bill James, who wrote a book in the 70s and baseball hated him for it, that basically said, the The traditional way of measuring a great player were through these statistics of earned run average, batting average, home runs, RBIs, are antiquated. And that there's different ways of measuring baseball performance that should be taken into account when measuring a player. And some of these statistics include on-base percentage, hits per nine, on-base percentage plus slugging, which measures both on-base percentage and the amount of times a player hits for extra bases, combines those, and that's what slugging percentage is, which is like every time he gets a hit, how many bags they get, essentially. OPS plus puts them into like a neutral ballpark and measures everyone up to 100, so... Anything over 100 is better than average, and anything below is worse than average. And then you have my favorite statistic. Welcome to Tyler's Stats Corner, by the way, where I talk about stats. My favorite statistic is wins above replacement, which is a statistic that measures both offensive performance and defensive performance, and puts them into like a weird number generator, and essentially measures you either less than 0 or greater than 0, with 0.0 being a replacement level player. So, like, anything above 0.0 is above replacement level, so you want to be as high above replacement level as possible. And then there's a ton of other stats. I mean, I love baseball because there's so many stats, and you can break them down so many different ways. And it's a fun sport to do that with. But essentially, Sabermetrics is, like, the math nerd version of measuring a baseball player's performance. And so... What Billy Bean does is realize instead of trying to measure and replace Johnny Dame and Jason Giambi, and I think there's a third player that is also left, trying to replace their runs, their RBIs, their home runs, they want to replace their on-base percentage, which is like 364, which that's the aggregate of their on-base percentage. And so he realizes that they can do that much cheaper
0: with guys like Scott Hatterberg, David Justice, and Jeremy Giambi. This is the best way I can describe how they do this movie. The way they do this movie is the exact same way they do it in the big short, where they break it down for you so succinctly. And, like, they kind of dumb it down for you, almost like look in the camera and be like, this is how it works. But they don't do it in an insulting way.
1: yeah. So, originally, when this movie was, was going to be helmed by Steven Soderbergh, which, God, I want to see what that movie looks like, he was going to have a virtual Bill James break down, essentially, like, what I just broke down. <laughs> what took me, like, five minutes to break down was going to take him, like, I don't know, like a minute, maybe two minutes. But they were going to have, like, a virtual Bill James, like, break down Saber metrics in, like, a really easy to digestible way. And then he hated the direction the script was going, because I think they brought on Sorkin. And he was like, I don't want to really make a Sorkin movie. And so he left, and then they got
0: the current director. I mean, no slouch there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is Miller.
1: Yeah, I think this is an interesting movie, because baseball isn't really a game. I mean, Sabermetrics, I think, works. And is pretty much seen revolutionized as like a seen as like a way to revolutionize the game. And so Moneyball has become kind of like a different philosophy. Being, you know, he's not the only one doing it, or other teams doing it. And there are also other teams that have won who have pushed back on doing it. Like the Dodgers really don't follow the sabermetric rule. They just have a lot of money and trash really well. The Giants won three World Series by also not really following sabermetrics that much.
0: <laughs> so what is what is your favorite sequence in this movie?
1: My favorite sequence is when Jeremy Jambi starts playing the funk song and Billy Bean, who who makes it a habit to like not really interact with players, takes a bat
0: and just breaks the fucking thing. And is like this is losing fun to you guys. <laughs> He throws so many things in this movie. It might be the best recurring joke outside of him eating. (laughs) It's because Brad Pitt is good at eating. He really is. I mean, I'll say this. Like, we were laying in bed last night and she had her head on my chest. And she's like, she goes, so what's this movie about? I'm like, he's a baseball guy who never made it. Like, but he's now he's now like the general manager. And he's like figuring out a way to play the game differently. And this is real. And she goes, oh, okay." And she goes, she goes, what's going on with this kid? And I said, you're about to watch maybe the best, like, three minutes of acting from Brad Pitt. That scene where she plays the guitar in front of him, that is incredible. That's what people forget about this movie. It's a movie about baseball, yes, but there is hands down a top five Brad Pitt performance in this movie. Oh, yeah. Brad Pitt's a real good in this movie. She also looked at me. She's like, Jonah Hill's really good in this. I'm like, well, now you've seen his second Oscar-nominated performance. She goes, he was nominated for this? I go, yeah. She goes, what else? I'm like, Wolf of Wall Street. She goes, that one makes sense. I'm like, yeah, of course. Fuck your mother. Uh, Come on, smoke crack with me, bro. <laughs> Yo, mom, we got chicken and waffles and what? You show me a pay stub, I will quit my job right now. Hey, yeah, mom, I quit. Speaking of <laughs> which, it's funny you say that sequence, because that's Jordan Belfort in the early days. You know who else fucking showed up in this movie that I'd never put together? Yeah. Spike Jones. Yeah. It's so funny
1: when he shows up. He's just hes just like this San Francisco... He's
0: a tech billionaire. Fucking... He has to be.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. He's just wearing flip-flops.
0: Yeah. He looks like he invented, like, Flickr or some shit. Like... <laughs> a cell phone for a 12-year-old. Well, yeah, we, we, we'd love to have a discussion with you. <laughs> you know who else is great?
1: Robin Wright... We, yes, she's great in the little performance that she does But Brent yeah. Jennings, who plays Ron Washington <laughs> I don't know Brent Jennings He plays the black guy who plays third He's the third base coach the, When they go to meet Scott Haddeberg, He's the guy with him And he's like, playing play first base isn't hard And he goes, it's extremely hard
0: yeah. <laughs> That guy, you know who else shows up in it too And fuck me if I forgot about this Not the guy who fucks with Billy That guy, that guy is a fucking perfect asshole, by the way <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah but not him. Jack McGee, yeah, is so funny in like 13 seconds on screen. He has the fucking. He has both ears have have earpieces in. No, no, not him. Jack McGee is also in. Oh fuck! I wish there was something I could give you that you'd know him right away from. Just Google Jack McGee, and you'll you'll know who okay. I'm oh, Yeah, that'll yeah, he help. He looks familiar. He's a character actor. He's in a hundred different things. Boy, is he! Oh, he's in the hidden? Oh, he plays like a bartender. It's kind of his thing. He's in 221 things. Good lord. And he plays a bar hunt, bartender in at least 50 of them. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's great. I mean, what's your favorite Billy and Pete scene?
1: Billy and When Billy is like, Would you have drafted me in the first round? And he's like, You were great. You were a great player. You were great. You were a great player. He's like, Stop bullshitting me. Would you draft me in the first round? He's like, I'm going to draft you in the ninth you would have taken a scholarship to get Stanford.
0: I am taking you in the ninth. No signing bonus. Yeah. The one I really, really love for it is when Billy, I mean, I'll say it. It's the ending scene where they're sitting there and he like Billy, like shows him the paper of what he like, what he's going to be paid. If he goes to the, to the Red Sox and Billy like kind of just has this moment. He goes, come here. I want to show you something. And like, it's really almost kind of like the passing of the torch to like, to Jonah Hill's character. Because, like, he kind of understands what Billy has seen or has been looking for this whole time. He shows him that video of, like, the heavyset catcher who just nails that ball.
1: Yeah, and he's got he a good fear of going to second base for some yeah. reason. I
0: don't know exactly why. He's got well, a fear because he's not base. fast. Because he's not fast. That's true. Yeah. Um, like, he can get to first base just fine, but it's getting to second base that, like, it's going from, it's not, I think it's not just going to second. I think it's going from first to second, like, in one glide. Yeah. There's a moment in it, and it almost brought me to tears last night where where like Brad Pitt has this look on his face and he goes, oh, they're laughing at him like and he feels bad for him in that moment. And it's so beautiful. And he says, he goes, it's because they're laughing at him because he doesn't know what he's just done. He goes, he's just hit a ball 60 feet over the fence. Like and it's just it's so fucking beautiful. And like even Brianna last night, when she goes, oh, look, the other team's cheering him on. I go, I go, yeah. And Brad Pitt says it perfectly. He goes, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Baseball's great. Oh, it's amazing. It's such a good sport. And you and we we forget that sometimes because it's not fast paced. Because boring as fuck. But yeah. that's what makes it great. Yeah, in a way, because it's the pastime. I've tried to explain it to
1: people. It's like baseball is a really hard sport to get into when you're an adult, because there's just so much that you have to know. Like if you see a runner on second and you don't know anything about baseball, you don't know what's happening. But like a runner on second with like, in like a tie game in like the eighth inning. That's great, baby. You love that. You love to
0: see it. You do. And poetry. it is. It can be for sure. Who's your favorite player on the ace? I mean, you know, honestly, dude, like and I know you don't like him. I think Pratt does a really good job in parts of this movie. It's probably one of Pratt's best performances. I mean, he's really good, right? Bennett? Uh, dude, really it begs me to ask the question. Why is Bennett Miller not making more movies? Like, what's his angle? Yeah, maybe he just you know maybe he wants to do other things. He's not doing TV or anything though. He's good at this. Uh, I don't know. It's a mm. good movie. It is. It is I a good movie. I will say, yeah, one thing that did annoy me
1: as a former as a Giants fan who watched a lot of the A's because it's what my mom who's who my mom would watch, Chad Bradford. Was on the is before 2002. He was on the team in 2001. He actually had a better season in 2001 than he did in 2002. They did want him to be used more. That is correct. But that thing where he goes up and he's like, "I just wanted to say, Mr. Billy Big, no one's <laughs> ever given me a chance before." It's cool, for like a movie moment. But like, he was already on the team. He wouldn't have said that. So that annoyed the fu- That annoyed me.
0: Yes. Yes. We know that annoyed you. You little yep. baseball nerd. <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> actually, he was a starting right fielder. <laughs> it's just such an interesting movie. It begs me to ask why it's Ben a... It's also like weirdly maybe my favorite Aaron Sorkin script. Really? Yeah, probably. You you really like The Social Network, though, right? Oh, you're right. You know what? You know what Henry... might be my. Year before
1: this,
0: (laughs) it might be my dark horse second. Then, I mean, it's probably
1: my favorite thing Aaron Sorkin's ever written, probably because he didn't write all of it. Yeah, (laughs) you know, you know, I feel about Aaron Sorkin.
0: Yes, we get it. You got him. Blah blah blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's let's take a look at the 2012 Oscars. Let's look at just from screenplay up. I have Benny and the Jets stuck in my head. In screenplay, it was up for best adapted screenplay. It would go up against Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, The Ides of March, Hugo, and (laughs) the (laughs) Ides of March. I know, I own it. Fuck off. (laughs) And The Descendants, which won by Alexander Payne and Nat Faxion and Jim Rash. Oh God, those two guys were on it. Wow, they're better. Jim Rash? Yeah, Jim Rash has an Oscar. Jim Rash has an Oscar? The little bald guy from what do you call it? Yeah. He was a community for like six years and he has an Oscar. (laughs) He's fucking great, dude. He's so funny. Let's see. Sorry, I would some (laughs) margins. I know. I know how you feel. Hey, do you know what won for best original screenplay? (laughs) Oh, it's a movie that doesn't exist. Uh That's where you're wrong. That movie's good. They they Uh, went back in time and actually gave
1: it to Bridesmaids.
0: Weird. No, no. They should have given it to the artist. What have I told you? Oh, yeah, actually. (laughs) Artist 10 Oscars. What do you call it? Best Supporting Actor, Jonah Hill, would go up against Max von Sydow for Extremely Loud and close. That's funnier than the Ides of March. You That's have cool. to get through it. <laughs> Nick Nolte for Warrior. That's not bad. Kenneth Branagh for My this is a terrible feel. This is a terrible feel. Christopher Plummer for beginners, which is, you know, he's old. Give it to him. But oh my God, Kenneth Branagh for My Week with Marilyn is it, one of my favorite moments in a movie that is so bad. Is that
1: better or worse than Max von Sydow for Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close?
0: That is a terrible off, is what that is, because that movie is awful. And I love Max von You know how I feel about Max von. You know I mean, you know how, you know how I feel about Maxie, baby. Oh, I know you do. But for me, Kenneth Brennan, there's a moment in my week with Marilyn where he is sitting there and it's a shot of him like if someone had put the camera in the corner and Eddie Redmayne is behind him talking to him. And Kenneth Brennan goes, I wouldn't buy that little girl lost act. I think Marilyn knows exactly what she's doing. It is so overacted, but it's so funny. Like it's Um, Russell Crowe in the fucking Les Miserables funny.
1: Okay. So what is the worst nomination here? Is it... Kenneth Branagh, Max on Side Out, or in Best Actress, is it Glenn Close for Albert Knobs? Which one's the one that's held up the least? Glenn Close for Albert Nobbs. Yeah, I think that one. Wow. Going back into the Oscars
0: history, you really do find, you do be finding some Oscars where you're like, wow, that was, that's a, that's a bad year. Well, and you know, they only all might be topped by this. I'm going to say this. In Best Actor, Brad Pitt as billy bean would go up against gary oldman for tinker tailor soldier spy george clooney for the de- descendants demian birch for a better life and jean Jardin for the artist i will say this we like the artist that being said this would have been the perfect time to crown brad pitt it was. jean jardan never made another movie in fucking america <laughs> that hit as big i'm sorry it's true he's not a star like they did that as like a publicity stunt
1: I mean, he's in The Wolf of Wall Street. And then I think he died or something. I don't know. I don't know where he's been. Fell on a rabbit hole. Fell on a manhole. Fell on a well. Something happened. And finally... Uh,
0: Okay, I guess we're just moving on. <laughs> well, no. I mean, what do you want me to say? We don't fucking know. He never did anything else again. Fucking, he fucking stole the title and then, like, like you saw him at Cannes next year and drop it into a trash can. Like, what that's what he... Oh, my God. That'd be so funny. <laughs> if he just took the Oscar and he just went like this. Is that jean <laughs>
1: I do think Brad Pitt's win for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a good win.
0: It is a good win. Well, it's 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 an earned win too. Like but it would have been earned here is what I'm saying. Yeah. But his performance in that movie is also really good. Anyway, best it's picture. True. Moneyball would go up against the other pictures that you're in there were 10 of them I believe. Warhorse, The Ooh. Tree of Life, Midnight in Paris, Hugo, what? Help, Extremely
3: Loud and Incredibly Close,
0: The Descendants. And the winner, the artist, it would go up against nine. Excuse uh, me. It's yeah. It's weird that one of them was just silence. Eight, actually. I you didn't read
1: one. I don't. I don't. Yeah. There's one. It's it's just a space. Hey Tyler. Yeah.
0: Are you close to your window? Relatively. Why? I'm right, midnight in Paris. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> your mic cut out again. This is like when Toru Yanu does a low blow and Ugh. Kevin Kelly claims his mic or his his monitor cuts out anytime I bring him up. By the way, that Woody Allen documentary is not looking good right now for him. <laughs> Finally, something not coming up Woody, huh? You should watch this dude on HBO. There's a four-part series called Allen vs. Pharaoh. I'm good. I already know which side I'm on. <laughs> I mean, you might want to be more on their side. I mean, the artist, we've said it. We like the artist. It's fun. We like the artists. We should get rid of Extremely Loud and Credibly Close. Strike that from the record. Well, what could we uh, put
1: in its place? This is a year. Hold on. This is a year where they really should not
0: have done eight or nine. They really oh, could have yeah. just done five. Or, you know, we just replaced something with the girl with the dragon tattoo. I'm just saying that movie's fun. I like yeah, that. We're, movie. Good. we're good.
1: We're good. we keeping that
0: up. <laughs> we get, get rid of The Help. Oh, yeah. Extremely Loud
1: and Credibly Close. War Horse. And
0: War Horse. If you take, well, and Midnight in Paris.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, so that then you just have the Bunny artist Ball. that descended Moneyball and Tree of Life and Hugo. That's five, right? That's a good five. Yeah, that's a good five. That would be a pretty strong five. Not a, not a very strong five, but, you know, like it looks better than having The Help, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close and Warhorse on here.
0: Yeah, three movies I just remember seeing and going like, meh. Uh, I've that. never
1: seen extremely incredibly close. and I'm going to keep it that way.
0: Oh, wait, maybe I haven't seen that. I've just seen the trailer for, it, I was like, nah, nah, I haven't seen that. You and everybody else in America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is about nine nah, 11. I'm cool. It's one um, of the, like the worst box office movies
1: to ever be nominated. God, Cause insane. like it was a $40 million budget and it only got back 55 million. So it like, it barely made its money back. <laughs> It's about a kid with Asperger's. It looks terrible. It just yeah. looks offensive.
0: Like, no one wants to see it. It's the dear Henry of, of that year. <laughs> I guess that's everything we have to say, except for what would you pair it with?
1: Oh, what would I pair Moneyball with? I'd pair it with Bull Durham. Ooh, close. Bull Durham. Bull Durham, old school style uh, baseball movie. It's that, like
0: grit and determination. You're, you're wrong, but close. Oh, well, how am I wrong? The Complete History of the Seattle Mariners. This is the oh, new joke. Right. Oh, Yes, doing. yes. Actually, yes. Six-hour <laughs> night, you know. Hey, do you want to be worn out from watching movies about baseball? Here's your two movies. <laughs> get out of my store, you fuck
1: it's it's just a copy it's like a dvd copy of moneyball and a, like a
0: youtube link <laughs> you just you just you go the you, you it's like sir you only gave me one i go there's a the youtube link in there that's what i charged you the second one for he goes well what prevented me from looking up you didn't know about it till now how about that, <laughs> that get out of my store me. yeah <laughs> and goodbye yes what do you give moneyball i give moneyball much like maria Antoinette. i give it a very good four out of five stars I'm going to up this from four to four and a half. I've watched Moneyball weirdly like six times, I think, since it's been out. It's a good movie. It's so watchable. Like, you're just like you're just on this ride with Brad Pitt and you're like, man, I fucking hope this works out for Brad Pitt. What's crazy is this movie is so
1: good and there's so many
0: good performances. We didn't really talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring that up at one point. There is... A performance from philip seymour hoffman that you could argue is him sleepwalking his way through it or you could argue it's just like the most measured perfect performance it's a it's a it's a really good performance you are out of your mind it, it, he's subdued
1: because the character of art Howe is subdued like that guy is
0: just he just looks like he's on like thorazine Billy, I have to to justify what I'm going to do next year for a job by showing videotape of this season. Like, he's he's so fucking funny (laughs) in that movie. He's really good. And
1: there's a line in it where he's like, something about, like, the teams. And, like, he makes a joke about, like, the team I built. And he's like, yeah, well, is it a baseball team or something like that? And they both just kind of chuckle at each other. And there's this begrudging respect between both both guys. It's a really interesting dynamic.
0: Yeah, it really, really is. But it's also like you said, this movie, I said it at the beginning. This is a movie about the people who can no longer play the game, but can kind of guide the game. Yeah. Yeah. And they're differing beliefs about the game. Yeah. Fuck, I miss Philip Seymour Hoffman. Maybe that's why I didn't want to bring him up. (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah, it, seriously. Good night, sweet prince. You are too good for our, our eyes to see for acting. Yeah. I don't even want to bring it up. I don't even want to bring yeah. it up. No, me neither. Well, moves us on to next week. And uh, what is next week? Next week, I pick two movies from what year, man? 1994. Good. I looked it up. That's a that's a pretty good year for movies. Oh, what's that? There's a chant coming from the audience. Forrest Gump.
1: They're going to be very disappointed.
0: <laughs> shut up, you. You <laughs> shut up, Forrest Gump side.
1: I am not watching Forrest Gump. Fuck you guys. I'll go home before I do that. The first movie is from director Wan Kar-Wai. We're going to the great, great city of Hong Kong. We're going to be looking at a movie called Chung
0: King Express. Oh, I haven't seen this in years. I'm so excited.
1: Oh, oh it's such a good that movie. That came
0: out in 1994. Oh, I'm so excited. And then I want
1: to take us to a little. You know, 94, really good time for American independent cinema. There is one movie that I cannot pick because we've already talked about it, sadly. So instead, I'm going to pick a different independent movie. From 1994, Dennis Haysburg, he stars in, along with Michael Harris, play the same character. They play a set of twins that you, everybody else around them. Is undistinguishable from one another, but to us are very distinguishable because they are played by two different actors, one black, one white. It's a movie called Suture. It's from 1994. It is apparently very good. I am taking a flyer on this because it's a movie I've been meaning to see for a very long time. And this gives me the opportunity to watch it. I don't even know if it's going to be a good pairing. You know, it's one of those Tyler's uh, doing something weird.
0: Tyler's doing something weird. So next week, We have Chunking Express and Suture from nineteen ninety-four. I picked Chunking Express because it's a it's a fucking top
1: tier so at least we got Chunking Express to (laughs) talk about. Do we know which one comes first? I believe what we should do Suture is apparently was released on festivals. Play the Toronto International Film Festival in ninety-three, but was released in America in ninety-four. So I think we maybe should do suture first just because it's the less known one. And if it sucks, we can we can breeze through it and then talk about Chunking Express for a long time.
0: So. If it sucks.
1: I don't think it will. I think it's going to be a really interesting, weird movie. I think we are going to have a lot of fun talking about
0: it. I'm excited. Well, until next week, guys, we talk about suture and Chunking Express. A movie I've never heard of and a movie that I've seen once and I really remember enjoying and I hope to get to watch again. You can follow all of our antics, of course, at TWGTF Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic. Tyler, is there anywhere they can follow you? Uh, You can follow me
1: onto the sidewalk where I will be screaming about the end of times and how my computer is broken.
0: And remember, guys, if you come into our video store and you see some women just laying on feigning couches eating bonbons and some other guys are playing baseball, well, you know, spring's here. (laughs)
1: When uh, Scott Haddeberg came on screen, I leaned over to my girlfriend and I said, That's him. That's Moneyball.
2: Just two white guys talking, Phil.
4: this Are they booing
0: me? Uh, no. They're saying
4: boo boo earns. Are you saying boo or boo-erns?
2: boo I was saying boo
0: And remember, guys, that's movies that were booed at Con, not movies at Budokan, because that's just oh. that's just a wrestling place. I would watch a movie at Budokan. Budokan's Hold not on. a wrestling place, then. <laughs> Nah, it's a wrestling place. It's not a wrestling...
1: It's a fucking city in Japan.
0: Nah, it's a wrestling place. (laughs) You son of a bitch. Wrestling place. (laughs) Budokan Hall. Just saying. It's... Because it's a hall in Budokan. Yeah, Budokan Hall. Wrestling place.
1: Cheap Trick, when they played at Budokan, did not play at Budokan Hall. They played in the city of Budokan.
0: Well, yeah, they played Budokan... It, you know what, potato, potato. Point is, wrestling place. <laughs> By the way, the guy I could not think of earlier, Jamie Dornan, as her uh, lover.
1: Hey, uh, real quick, you're right about Budokan. It's apparently actually just a place. It's like a like a like a like a hall, not a hall. It's an arena
3: mm-hmm. in
1: Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. It's called Nippon Budokan. I know. Is, Nippon is literally just like I think Tokyo.
0: I see. Every well, once in a while, God, I know Nippon's, you're looking out for me.
1: Different. Anyway, uh, delete all of that Delete my existence on this podcast
0: You mean the part go where I was a... right? I was
1: right for once? I'm gonna go live in a hole Just put this at the end of the podcast, please so that
0: Yeah, that's know. fine You're
4: gonna show that goddamn Jim Stacy. You're gonna show all of them on that goddamn fucking set Who the fuck Rick Dalton is, alright? Let me tell you something You don't know, get these lines right I'm gonna blow your fucking brains out tonight all right, your brains are going to be splattered all over your goddamn pool.
0: I mean it, motherfucker. What year is fucking. God, I fucking. What year is it? It's the 84th? 84th Academy Award. I World. was right the first time, you fucking idiot, Ben. Just have confidence in yourself, you fucking <laughs> moron. You goddamn idiot. <laughs> you goddamn fucking fool. Oh, you're so stupid. Okay. Oh, boy, um, we're going to have a real come to Jesus moment with this. Yeah. Week. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's like, you know what it is right now with today? And just how this show's gone. You and I are Leonardo DiCaprio having the conversation in the mirror being like, I swear to God, if this show gets fucked up one more time, I'm going to blow my brains out of that bowl tonight.